Hello there, and this is Mike Knezovich, and welcome to the latest edition of Toot Up with Mike and Monty, Brain Science Step-by-Step. Step. Today, we're going to talk about brain development and function behind perspective-taking. Perspective-taking is a pretty important part of being a human being, and we'll be talking about that. The we means me and Dr. Monty Pavluri. We are here on an autumn Chicago day, and how are you today, Dr. Monty? I'm doing great, Mike, and happy autumn to everybody. Um, as for if you've been here before, you know that each episode we talk about how our brains function and what can go wrong and why and and what we can do about that. Today we're going to talk about perspective taking and 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 how we get the ability, how we gain the ability to take different perspectives. Um, so we're trying to understand the mind and uh, the brain development function behind perspective taking. Um, maybe first we just talk about, I think we all kind of know intuitively what perspective taking is, but it's probably worth at least explaining uh, what that means to, to you, doctor. Yeah, sure. Um, perspective taking is essentially understanding others' mind and responding um, to people around us. Um, Usually it's like responding to the biological stimuli, right? The people and environment around us in relation to other people's minds. Mm -hmm. um, the most important thing to think about I, in this context, I think, is brain un undergoes maturation in teenage, you know, or overall um, until, you know, uh, you grow up. And uh, there is psychosocial development that is also occurring in cohesion. And there is genetics, again, that is, uh, and the genetics influence hormonal milieu that influence, again, the social behavior. So it is an amalgamation of multiple mechanisms that underlie how we gain the perspective and develop our brain in understanding um, other people's point of view. Um, so when I'm born... I don't really have this ability to take other perspectives. I've got my own and that's it. And I'm just waiting for my next meal and all that stuff. But you're saying that uh, over time, there's a biological um, component that it has to do with, with maturation and development. Of course. And also, you know what? Children actually become increasingly self-conscious and preoccupied with other people's opinion about them. And that becomes, of course, very intense in teenage, yeah. and they become increasingly aware of their friends, teachers, and the whole society's perspectives. And all of this involves intense socialization process, right? Yeah. And th such socialization process um, makes people uh, become uh, so uh, self-obsessed in a way, you know. For example, my uh, uh, son, who would have been in teen teenage until recently, or still is the last one, uh, <laughs> uh, who would uh, say, um, you know, uh, uh, he, he asked me sort of not to talk too much when the friends are around, you know, he's kind of embarrassed about what they would think and, and how he should be coming across to other people, uh -huh. and that he is so, you know, like, uh, he thinks he's like sort of in unique. So these are the normal processes of social development where kids develop a certain idea of um, understanding and uh, then they ha they almost always have an imaginary audience you know uh, in oh, teenage that? imaginary audience that's an interesting term yeah and 
And uh, this is where, you know, Elkin's theory uh, comes in, where there's increased self-consciousness in teenagers, and regardless of whether there's a real audience or not, they always think uh, very self-consciously, and um, they, um, you know, feel pretty unique and special. Um, and that's part of development and along with the sense of self that develops and what they think other people are thinking and trying to get an you know understanding of self and others along the process and mature the brain also is developing at the same time overall and so there is a brain development um, overall uh, perspective is important to understand and also the specific perspective of brain development that underlies especially the perspective taking. And they both are, of course, interrelated and interconnected processes. Mm -hmm. And this is, this is this development especially uh, what, um, fast or intense during adolescence? It, um, or is it kind of a, on a continuum from, from birth? Um, it is a continuum from birth, but what is interesting is that the most acute changes occur in uh, teenage, for example, and, uh, you know, the, actually the gray matter, you know, you, we talked a lot before in other podcasts about the gray matter, that's yeah. like the cap of the brain, and then there's white matter connections, you know, which, where the white matter is covered by myelin, that, that's just like, structures that connect all the gray matters, mm -hmm. you know, uh, structures. So, in you know, and again, you know, what happens in uh, adolescence is that the volume of gray matter in frontal lobe increases and it reaches in children and, and it reaches a peak around 12 mm. for males and 11 for females. So you understand females develop faster, right? Mm -hmm. So, and it roughly coincides with the age of puberty onset. And this is followed again by the decline in the volume of gray matter also. And this is a work done by Gide and Sovel, Gogte and others, you know. Mm -hmm. So in, in uh, late, uh, you know, uh, um, 1999 and 2003, 2004, around that time, they were all published. And this going up and going down of prefrontal cortex and similar process occurs in parietal lobe which is like the two cones on the back of the brain skull, you know, under the two cones of our skull, like mm -hmm. the parietal lobe uh, at the back of the brain and the, uh, you know, on the side back of the brain, you understand the two cones of your mm -hmm. head. So under, underneath it. And um, this parietal lobe also develops uh, to the max at 12 years of age for males and 10 years in females. And then there is a decline in the white, gray matter volume. Okay. And that's so, the decline even uh, is during uh, adolescence. It's beyond, not a, yeah, yeah, beyond the te 10 and 12 years of okay. age. And temporal lobe, again, peaks around 16 years. Like temporal lobe is like the medial side part of the brain. And that peaks around 16 and then declines also. So the, the, that's the uh, lobe that's very involved in memory and and also perspective taking. All these structures are super important in perspective taking. So that's why I'm specifically mentioning frontal lobe, parietal lobe, and temporal lobe that have significance, you know. And then the white matter um, uh, of, uh, uh, you know, this brain also increases in density um, in prefrontal cortex, parietal cortex, and through adolescence, and also um, keeps on developing, uh, unlike, uh, uh, 
you know, reduction as in gray matter. Oh, it continues to develop. Or, that's or, right. Yeah. That's right. And the and white matter is the stuff that, for lack of a better term, kind of wires the other stuff together? Exactly. Okay. Exactly. And, uh, and it's myelinated, so the, the, the messages go faster. Okay. Yeah. And, and uh, there is also cellular changes, though, which is called histological changes, you know, in the brain. And uh, what happens is all these synapses, you know, it's almost like, you know, you gather the, you know, say you're writing an essay, you gather all the words and all the detail, and then you make it pithy and concise, right? In the same way, the brain, uh, you know, it gathers all these, you know, it, it connects to everything, you know, and it has a lot of synapses that, the, the network that develops and then it prunes all these synapses later and only take those that are required just like the words in an essay or the sentences in an essay that you edit so you know? it, it develops so, these connections and then it has a mechanism that sort of evaluates whether they're useful or not and it, gets rid of them exactly that's and, pretty amazing right that that sprouting of synapses and then pruning just like how a tree is grown and then you prune the tree in the same way all this brain his cellular changes occur and this gray matter increase and decrease somewhat parallels and reflects such changes at the cellular level as well yeah. you know what i mean so the brain is becoming more and more efficient actually and you know this is reflected um you know uh, uh clearly in, in 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 the way that these um scientists have measured uh, the brain structure. So, uh, you know, uh, does IQ have anything to do with this, or does it have anything to do with IQ, I guess is another way of putting it. Oh, um, intelligence quotient of the brain. I mean, it's, it's sort of like, um, you know, a, a measurement of various brain domains, right, and their function and your ability to, you know, um, be, uh, to, to estimate your function. By the way, you know, I wanted to say this before I deviate uh, to explain this is that now the IQ is not based on numbers uh, in measuring intellectual disability, by the way, in new DSM classification. I just wanted to say that. No, you know, I, no, so, it's... you know we're also hooked on these numbers. Yeah. But anyway, you know, between three and 29 years, you know, a longitudinal study was done by Shaw, which is published actually in 2006, where there is like um, a change in cortical thickness. Um, it, and actually, you know what, what happens is in superior frontal gyrus, um, you know, that is the gyrus or the, you know, the area, the, the little area that is above um, the brain and on the medial side of the brain in the center on the top, um, that actually undergoes a great shift and in intelligent children, the highest IQ uh, people or the kids, children with highest IQ had thinner cortex in early childhood. And then the thickness increases rapidly and then peaks at 11. And then it again goes thinning thereafter. So there is a little bit of like going up and then going down. Okay. Also in this middle part in the front part of the brain called superior frontal gyrus that correlates with the IQ somewhat. And... Uh, you know, um, that, that could be related somewhat to the brain development. Okay. Um, maybe we go back to this term uh, that I liked before, the imaginary audience. Uh, I mean, I, it, yeah. I, I think I understand it intuitively, but um, yeah, why don't you expand on that? Because I, I, I want to make sure I do 
Yeah, right. So, you know, imaginary audience is nothing but, you know, teenagers becoming self-conscious and thinking around that people are all noting them and noticing them and taking perspective of other people. And it's still not really totally mature as to what others are thinking, but it's a very fine-tuning, like searching for meanings and figuring things out, right? Okay. And so what is really beyond that, I think, in general, when you take a broad perspective of, you know, when you talk, talk about broad classification, Mike, this is how uh, people have been talking about it. And I like to expand on, like, say, let's say, you know, there are always these great people who have done work before our talk today, right? Right, right. <laughs> There's Ogley and Fink in 2003. They have really done, like, this amazing uh, classification of uh, perspective-taking called first-person per- perspective and second-person perspective. And they call it at a phenomenal level, okay? Um, And we need to really change from uh, the egocentric point of view. You know, it's almost like translocation of egocentric point of view from first-person perspective to third-person perspective, which is required in order to understand other people's mind. Okay. Okay, so now I'll tell you what first-person perspective is, okay? So... There is Willis Tower, right, in center of Chicago, like yeah. in the downtown. Uh, formerly so, the Sears Tower. Formerly the Sears Tower, for those who yeah. know it as Sears Tower. It's the tallest building in Chicago, right? Right. So, I mean, so you are on, you know, you know. I will say to you, Mike, Willis Tower is, you know, um, south of where I live. Right. Okay. So that's my perspective. Sure. If a third person perspective is, oh, Mike, Willis Tower is north of your house. Right. You know, so I'm thinking about you. Right. Okay. So I'm understanding how you would think where Willis Tower would be from your point of view. I got it. Okay. So it's a visuospatial kind of similar kind of understanding. Sure. So, and then I have to, you know, so if you had to understand minds, I have to shift from my point of view to your point of view. And, you know, I actually have a very beautiful practical life (laughs) experience of uh, telling you about this. Um, Say we have conference call, right? Yeah. You know, I'm in academia, right? So we have a lot of conference calls with this and that. I mean, you know, with various people in East Coast, West Coast. Sure. uh, Being me in the Midwest, okay? So other people would say, oh, it's uh, let's have this call at 3 p.m. EST. (laughs) And I said, what? What is that for CST? You know, 3 p.m. That is like... 2 p.m. for me. Right. I have to figure it out. Right. But, you know, I always would love to say it is 3 p.m. EST your time, your EST. I'd like to say it that way. Yeah. So it's like I'm showing empathy to other people Yeah. rather than just say where they're at and how you go figure out where you are. And I have a feeling that we've all encountered uh, right. problems because right. we, we have not included right. that, that, that. Right, right. Yeah. That's the finest uh, thing. And now, like, uh, actually, Doodle um, does it for you. And then the, the another example is when we all write papers together with the co-authors, and when it is cited, then we share the citation. Mm-hmm. You know, that usually the first author sends the citations to your co-authors. And when you do that, when the paper is published, then you, you know, usually you bold your name and you write it at, in your CV as a citation. You know, in you know when you send the citation, I would unbold my name and bold the other pe- person that I'm sending 
that citation too so that they can put it in their CV. So that kind of fine thinking of how I, uh, I would like to operate is what, where I'm shifting from first person's perspective to third person's perspective. Okay. You know what I mean? I'm very fine-tuned to other people's uh, thinking needs as well and thinking and what they would do. So that's kind of like an empathy. Mm-hmm. You know, and um, also uh, perspective taking um, uh, is different from allocentric perspective. What is allocentric? Mean? Allocentric perspective is actually the frame of reference is different there. Where you know you think that Willis Tower is in the center of Chicago. Mm-hmm. It's nothing to do with you or me. Okay. Right. Okay. It's just like it's kind of the they, big universe kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. They they're able to kind of figure out. You know, mm-hmm. is this line left to the square or right to the square, kind okay. of rather than the square on your right or my right, you know. So it's it's that allocentric view is probably, you know, kids with, you know, like autism spectrum disorders might be thinking more in terms of allocentric way perhaps. I see. Or, um, and less as in shifting from 3PP, 1PP, you know, like sort of um, first perspective taking in the first order to the third order third-person perspective. So that's where um, the empathy and understanding uh, basics uh, for you. Um. Yeah. So and one quick question. What are the, uh, I don't know how to put it, what are the roles of white matter versus gray matter in developing this mm-hmm. perspective-taking and empathy? Right. The, well, maybe we should think about like brain function and brain networks underlying perspective. So uh, an easier way to understand is the brain function perhaps, right? Yeah. I mean, so functional neuroimaging studies, you know, I have actually shown that, you know, it's very interesting. Keep Let's keep it really simple. Right? Yeah. yeah. So the <laughs> brief, yeah, you know, the, 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 uh, uh, less is more. So, you know, it, the medial prefrontal cortex, the front of the brain, and then the inferior parietal lobe, which is like the like a side bottom of the brain, you know, beneath your cones, inferior parietal lobe, and then superior temporal sulcus, which is called SDS on the sides of the brain. You know, side, SDS, the superior temporal sulcus on the side of the brain, and inferior parietal lobe at the base of the, you know, side and bottom of the brain, and then front of the brain. So these three are essential aspects of um, mentalizing network, you know, and uh, they are uh, operating in tandem and uh, uh, mentalizing is, uh, you know, again, uh, coined by Emodio and Frith, Yuta uh, Frith from UK, who I have the joy of listening to when I was training. So me- mentalizing, what, yeah. what does it mean? You know, understanding other people's perspectives. Oh, it's the same you know? thing. It's yeah, another yeah. term for and it. It's a, another thing is theory of mind to, you know, understanding okay. what others are thinking. So mentalizing refers to in- inferences we naturally make about other people's intentions, their beliefs and desires, when, and then uh, we then use it to predict and make sense of their behavior. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so this high, this is highly circumscribed actually this mentalizing network and consists of prefrontal cortex and then the side uh, superior temporal sulcus and also especially around uh, the connection between temporal lobe and parietal lobe called temporal parietal junction 
and also the amygdala of course our good old amygdala that offers emotional perspective of what we are understanding um, all of this is related to also another word that we use favorably at this time is also social cognition so social understanding of the brain fun you know okay. the brain it's, mm -hmm. it's a, it, it this mentalizing involves all these regions i think you know and um so um yeah and and they're you, all, yeah you had mentioned this might be this is a lot of stuff and yeah. i think um we're coming up to our time time limit but there's something i think we might have to pick this up in uh, part two uh, yeah, I and, think. and but you mentioned autism, um, and I, I'm curious. So th this is related, as far as we know, uh, the ability or the inability to pers take perspectives to autism. Of course, you know, I mean, autism involves, of course, difficulties and social interactions, right. okay. also communicating, and they also have restricted pattern of interests and behaviors. So it might autism is actually a little bit more complex cluster of symptoms where perspective taking uh, deficits is one aspect. One aspect, of it, right? okay. So, I mean, we, we, we can also talk a lot uh, next time about developing perspective, how people will differentiate self from others and anticipating yes. others' thinking, right? Yeah, yeah. And how they... Uh, how there is a preference for social stimuli versus non-social stimuli, all those amazing things that are involved, even in perspective-taking development, and how that applies to autism. Uh, we can talk about it another day. Yeah, we'll talk about it in the next episode. And um, it's amazing. This is stuff that is we take for granted, and we... Well, that's the brain. We take it for granted. <laughs> uh, I know, but I think that's the beauty of it, right? I mean, but the thing is, you know, the one thing, the most important thing I, we can we can end this saying is empathy is so important and, and, and trying to understand others' perspective in their shoes, what would they like, or in their shoes, what they're thinking, and what can I do to make their life better uh, in, in, in every single interaction that we have with others in our society, people, personal circles, and everything else is my pet thing to think about, you know? So therefore, understanding others' mind is so central to our quintessential existence. You couldn't say it any better than that. With that, we're going to sign off, and we will talk to you on the next episode where we go to part two of perspective-taking. Thanks, Doctor. Thank you, Mike. Bye, everyone.